Welcome back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. We hope you all have yourselves a merry little Christmas. Good tidings to you and your kin. Happy holidays, and we're hoping that you'll finally get that hippopotamus you've been asking for. (laughs) And maybe your two front teeth. Those might be more important. Yeah. (laughs) Hippopotamus, they have big front teeth, so, I mean, maybe they could borrow them. (laughs) If you're from our generation, God knows you don't have dental insurance. That's true. Uh, So for our holiday special, we wanted to do something a little different and fun. So we decided to take 16 of our favorite festive TV show specials from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s and pit them against each other in a single elimination to the death Okay, maybe not to the death, but (laughs) elimination. Bump the brakes. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. So it's a single elimination tournament. We are calling Merry Madness. That's right. So we shared this Merry Madness bracket on our Facebook page a while back for all of our listeners to complete. Based on those results, listeners like you got to pick the best of the best. And I got to say, there were some very surprising upsets in this list. I do have to say, I get it now. This is like that sports thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This makes a whole lot more sense. When I was putting the bracket together, people were very confused why I was trying to make a bracket for something that wasn't basket. Okay. I get it now. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who participated. Uh, we want to walk you through this wintry war zone, giving our takes on these merry and bright matchups. Due to the breadth of what we're trying to cover, we have to split the special into two action packed episodes. That's right. Which is so, really just us trying to stay on track. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I don't know if you've noticed, we get sidetracked from time to time. <laughs> well, the first oh, half... guys, there's a squirrel! <laughs> don't they migrate? No, 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 those are birds. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, the first half is being covered now. Go? <laughs> the first half is being covered now. On December 17th, the one-year anniversary of Dating Ourselves podcast debut. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's been a year already, guys. Yeah, no kidding. And hopefully, I know the uh, co-hosts saw it already, and hopefully you guys were able to see our special anniversary announcement from none other than E.G. Daly, the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, as well as, uh, was it Bubbles from? I think it was was Buttercup. Buttercup, that one, yep. From Powerpuff Girls. (laughs) Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, we we were really thrilled to have made it this far, guys, and uh, not killed each other or anything crazy like that. So <laughs> I look forward to spending my Christmas bonus from Brian. That's right. That's right. All the all the big podcast bucks we're making. Hey, the good news is it's a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club, which <laughs> is the gift that keeps on giving the whole year round. <laughs> if you warm it up, you can drink it. Oh, gosh. I'm going to go out on a limb and imagine that you've actually tried this, Paul. (laughs) No, but I might now. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So we're doing that first half right now, December 17th. The second half is going to be posted on Throwback Thursday, December 20th, with or without warmed-up jelly to drink. Uh, Adam will provide us some guidance now on how we're going to cover this holiday havoc. So what do you say, Adam? 
So for today's episode, we are going to go through each matchup in the first round of 16. These are all holiday specials of TV shows that aired during our time period of 1980 to 2005. So it's not like Christmas shows that were made specifically for Christmas. This is regular TV shows that had Christmas specials. They cover a wide range from comedy to drama, animated to live action, Christmas to Hanukkah, and even Festivus for the rest of us. That's right, that's right. Got to get your feats of strength on, folks. Absolutely, and the airing of grievances. Can't miss that. Is it time yet? (laughs) (laughs) So we were fortunate enough to have the Dating Ourselves intern compile some great bio info on each of the 16 contenders so we can provide crucial background information as we whittle this snowy 16 down to an elated Elite Eight. Say, guys, when did we get an intern? Because I put a bunch of bios together, too, and I'd feel guilty if we had him duplicate any of that work. Uh, No, Adam. I don't think you need to beat yourself up. (laughs) 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 When we return on December 20th, we will work through the elated Elite Eight, the Frostbite Four, and determine the overall Merry Madness champion. As Adam mentioned, we have 16 different holiday episodes from nostalgic TV shows that will lock reindeer antlers. Only eight will emerge victorious, much like the NCAA basketball tournament of a coincidentally similar name. uh, Our contenders are split into four equal regions. I get it now. (laughs) It's all connecting. In the lump of coal region, we have Saved by the Bell throwing down against Seinfeld and Pete and Pete versus The Simpsons. You know how some matchups you know are just going to be a slaughter, but you still kind of want to watch them anyway? (laughs) I I have a feeling there might be one of those there. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. (laughs) Uh, In the Christmas Socks region, we have Tales from the Crypt battling Doctor Who and Batman the Animated Series at odds with Home Improvement. And in the Eggnog region, we have Rugrats hand-to-hand with He-Man and Alf in an emotionally devastating fisticuffs with oh Wonder Years. <laughs> devastating. <laughs> On the emotional level. Truth. And lastly, in that weird pickle ornament region, we will see contests between South Park, featuring Apu, and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, featuring Will Smith, who is not Pooh. I like Will Smith. <laughs> I have to throw that out there because it caught me that I digged on South Park, but I really have nothing negative to say about Fresh Prince. I kind of miss it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> as well as the Jetsons and Pinky in the Brain. So before we get started, we wanted to once again thank the fans who took time to submit their brackets. Also, Brian and Paul, who did you guys have as the overall winners of your brackets? Uh, I actually went with the tool man. Home Improvement's going to take the enchilada on this one, guys. Is that because you enjoy Detroit, Tim Allen, or cocaine? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mostly the simian grunting, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I see. (laughs) I, myself, am a big fan of the ALF Christmas special, titled (laughs) ALF Special Christmas. It might not put cheer in your cup, but it will definitely reduce you to tears (laughs) (laughs) which is exactly what you want at the christmas time that's right 
<laughs> so those are both solid choices, but I think the winner is going to be the Doctor Who special because I went and ordered exactly what the Doctor ordered and went with the Doctor Who Christmas special. There you go. Christmas yeah. invasion. That's right. All right, so let's start off with this lump of coal region. Who kind of wants to walk us through some of the uh, the high-level statistics of the episode? I do, I do, I do. Um, um, <laughs> Paul, Paul, over there in the back. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm excited about the lump of coal region because when we were in high school, I actually rented a Santa suit and stood in front of the high school and handed out coal. <laughs> it is one of my I top five that. Uh, memories. <laughs> Yes, I ended up nearly getting suspended because apparently if you give a bunch of freshmen large rocks, they will throw them at people. What? Jeez. But for some reason, when I was 16, I did not think that through. I remember there was a freshman in our freshman class that drove a car into a pond at the mall. (laughs) That is On the first day of school. Uh, Yes, it was. Was this the first day of school? It definitely was. Yes, it was. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone warned me that high school was going to be different than middle school. I had no idea how different. <laughs> so in the Lump of Coal region, our first matchup is Saved by the Bell versus Seinfeld. All starting right. with Zach Morris's trash. <laughs> which really is the highlight of this episode. It is very... Real quick, because we're going to get off on many tangents. Have oh, you guys sure. seen these the Zach Morris's Trash uh, Facebook video series that has floated around? Yes. I've only seen a couple installments, but the ones I've seen have made me just laugh hysterically. Like, kick my feet <laughs> on the edge of the couch, laugh hysterically. I'm ashamed at myself that I never picked up at the, like, wild undertones. Uh, undertone probably isn't the right word, but I guess I never realized the explicit he was a overtones. Person. Yeah, they're overtones for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny. My, my, my wife and I talk about that with, like, Boy Meets World, too, because she was a huge Boy Meets World fan growing up. And recently, like, within the last year, we started doing, like, a watch through of all of them, and we had to stop after, like, season four. Because she just couldn't take it anymore. Like, <laughs> hey, Sean, those are some cute girls. Which one is going to be my girlfriend? Which one's going to be yours? It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Women are totally possessions that we just get to choose. You know, who belongs to who? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was blown away. I was recently uh, going back and watching South Park and didn't realize how terrible Cartman was as a kid. <laughs> I always really? knew that. <laughs> I was going to say, that one I was, was a little sarcastic. less subtle. <laughs> <laughs> I may have been in, uh, in establishing a little sarcasm there, guys. I see. You're laying it on pretty thick. I a certain intern that's sleeping with mommy tonight. <laughs> 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 All right, on to the stats. Saved by the Bell, A Home for Christmas. This was a two-part episode. Featuring an IMDb rating of 9.3 out of 10. I think this might have been the highest IMDb rating of any of the shows that we put on the bracket. It is, which blew me away when when we first were going through and finding the ratings. I could not believe that out of all these great Christmas specials... Especially He-Man and She-Ra. Oh, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I do believe that one was rated higher than I expected, though, as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I'd have to yeah. double check. I I, I want to say the Jetsons was the lowest, but I can't, which is surprising. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this a very special installment of Bayside High, uh, the gang are working various jobs at the local mall for the Christmas holiday in order to get spending money for Christmas. Uh, Zach's mom is putting on her own production of a Christmas carol at the local mall because this is the 90s and all life begins and ends at the mall. That's of right. Uh, Let's Zach, go to the ball, gay. Exactly. Let's all uh, or what? Let's go to the mall, the mall yeah. today. <laughs> we just had to mention my favorite sitcom, of course. So Zach falls for a newcomer to the show, Laura, one of Kelly's coworkers at the clothing store, but is surprised when she learns of her father's plight, meaning. He's homeless, she's homeless, and Zach is too stupid to realize it. And it is painfully obvious if you watch the show. <laughs> homeless girl, dad has a heart attack or something along those lines, and then Zach invites them over for Christmas. You know, gives them a place to stay for holidays. Comedy ensues. And of course, when Zach is asked what he wants for Christmas, the answer is Laura, because Zach is trash. Right, right. (laughs) We have a little bit of a twisted version of Gift of the Magi, where Laura puts a sweater on layaway, and her boss accuses her of stealing it to add drama to her father who had a heart attack. And did I mention they were homeless? (laughs) Homeless for the holidays. So that is Saved by the Bell up against a statistically weaker contender, which strictly really surprises me, Seinfeld episode, The Strike. One of my all-time favorites. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny is I did not realize all of the events in this episode occurred in this episode. In my head, they were at different christmas specials mm-hmm. yeah same here but then when i went back and watched the episode i guess like i guess it was just one episode yep i also was really surprised i could have sworn this was an early episode of seinfeld this was in the last season of the show season nine yep it debuted on december 18th 1997 holy cow it has an imdb rating of 8.9 out of 10 wow that's pretty high too and features the regular cast. I don't recall any special guests or extras for it. Nope. Um, the general overview of the episode is Kramer returns to H&H Bagels after a 12-year strike. That's right. <laughs> Kramer was actually employed but on strike during the entire run of the series. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's like the one thing that they focus on too because there's so many other aspects of this episode that are like way, way more memorable when you fast forward 21 years. And that's the one thing they focus on. <laughs> that's yeah. how the show got its name, that episode. Like, this is crazy. Elaine gives a fake number to a guy she really wants to call her on a subway card by mistake. Uh, Jerry meets a woman named Gwen who is two-faced, meaning she doesn't look good in some light, and, but at the <laughs> diner that they all stay at, she looks really good. Uh, <laughs> George creates a fake charity called the Human Fund and gives fake Christmas presents at his uh, place of work to all his coworkers, yep. and then invites and then invites his boss over to celebrate Festivus when he has found out that he was given uh, that he was giving he was discovered that he was giving out fake Christmas presents because he was saying he made a hundred dollar donation in people's names to a charity he made up, 
And when that's discovered, he invites his boss over to celebrate Festivus with his dad uh, when he can't cash the $20,000 check that his boss made out to the Human Fund as a Giving Tuesday charitable donation. Sure, sure. <laughs> so we briefly have to talk about Festivus because yes. this is the episode that outlined the holiday that I, to this day, still celebrate. <laughs> uh, Festivus is... A holiday made up by George's dad for people who do not enjoy Christmas and don't really fit into the other holiday groups. And the general rundown as Festivus is you don't have a tree, you have a brass pole. Right. <laughs> it's shiny, but it's just a flat, straight up brass pole. Uh, you have a Festivus feast. At the feast, there is what's called the airing of grievances, which means you explain to everyone at the table how they have wronged you over the course of the year. <laughs> and then this seems the, like something that Jerry Stiller would come up with, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the eldest son has to face the head of household, or I should say, the the second in command, so to speak, has to face the head of household in what is called the Feet of Strength, which is a shirtless Greco-Roman style wrestling match in the living room in front of the fireplace. Uh, the, and when you this... beat your when you beat the head of household, you then become the head of household for future Festivus. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is easily one of my all-time favorite Seinfeld episodes. The I mean, it's just so iconic with the, uh, not only with the uh, Festivus parts, but the H&H Bagels part and the part with the, the girlfriend with the bad lighting. <laughs> like, uh, what, one of the, uh, one of my favorite moments uh, is, you know, at Festivus, uh, Jerry says something that upsets the girl. And so she gets up and walks out of the house and he goes outside to chase her, and all of a sudden you hear him scream, and he comes back inside. He's like, oh, that is not good lighting out there. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, uh, my other favorite part of that whole dinner scene at the end is Kramer is the one that forces everyone to come to Festivus dinner, and then halfway through it, he gets up and he goes, I got to get out of here. I'm unemployed, and this is way too kooky for me. <laughs> It should come as no shock of this matchup that Seinfeld was the clear winner of our inaugural matchup. Yeah. Yep, is inaugural definitely. the right word? What do you call the first the first meet? I'm not inaugural. a sports guy. Inaugural okay. works. Yay, I got something right. <laughs> in our next matchup, we have Pete and Pete versus the Simpsons, which in my mind, surely is a slaughter, but I will give benefit of the doubt as we go through the statistics. <laughs> I, I think in in wrestling terms, this would be called a squash Slobber match. Knocker. <laughs> Slobber oh, a squash knocker, match. Yes. Fair. <laughs> Who's the job? Um, we'll find I out in a moment. That's pretty obvious. Yeah, we'll is find out Pete in a moment. Or Pete? <laughs> Starting with the Adventures of Pete and Pete, the episode "Oh Christmas, Pete." which aired December 14th, 1995, which in my head does not seem that long ago. As I look in the calendar, my beard gets grayer. Oh, dear. <laughs> Mine, too. <laughs> IMDb gave this an 8.2 out of 10. People, what are you voting for and why? <laughs> the general synopsis of the episode is Little Pete, as opposed to Big Pete, because the show is about two Petes. Um, oh, that's where they get the name from. Yeah, Pete and his brother Pete, as opposed to Daryl and his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. 
And I think they had a sister named uh, Darlene, but I could be wrong. Um, so Little Pete and his friends uh, and family intend to make everyday Christmas, and they attempt to do just that. Every day is Christmas. But unfortunately, the garbage man, his neighbors, and his arch nemesis, Pitstain, Pitstain. <laughs> intend to prevent this from ever occurring. I suffered through this episode for the sake of the show. I'm sure I watched it when it was on. It is not... I, I enjoy Pete and Pete, but this is not one of my favorite episodes. I am <laughs> completely shocked at its overall rating. I was kind of sad that Artie wasn't in it. Yes, agreed. Artie's... He is the best part of the show. Now, have you guys seen the fan theory that Artie may or may not be like a figment of Pete's imagination? I have not. <laughs> no. Because there's never an opportunity where he ever speaks with any adults. Um, he's always just sure, kind of... he only ever talks to little Pete. Right. And there's like an episode I remember from when I was a kid where they had Artie eat ribs. And they had to figure out whether or not you were supposed to eat them with a, with a fork or with your hands or whatever. Big deal. None, like the adults were there, but none of them even noticed he existed. It was really strange, but that's kind See, of how I it always episode was. Episode was the underwear inspector, the guy that wanted everything prim and proper. I think so that I might think have been the played. episode. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he ate him with the fork, and they thought it was, that was weird, and that was what prompted the conversation. Yes, yes. And at the end, they convinced him to try it the other way because you got to live a little. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In our in the second half of this matchup, or I should say, Pete and Pete is pitted against the Simpsons roasting on an open fire, aka the Simpsons Christmas special, aka the Simpsons home for the holidays. <laughs> this was the very first episode of the Simpsons, and it, the pilot episode was intended as a one-off Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And guys, when did that episode air? Uh, December... 17th? <laughs> December 17th, 1989? Correct. And Adam, do you know why that date is special to us? Because it's our one year anniversary! Exactly. So why did you stumble? I'm a little freaked. <laughs> I was I was. How much stumb- do we pay interns? <laughs> I was more stumbling on the year than the date. I was just thinking... Well, fair. In a statistically, this episode also receives an eight point two rating, so they are evenly matched going oh, into this. That hurts my heart a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't blame you. The, this episode of The Simpsons, or The Simpsons in general, is near and dear to my heart. This is probably the first thing that I can actually recall watching on TV with my parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, actually sitting in the living room and watching something that was not a cartoon. Well, well technically. It was not a... <laughs> you know, Child's cartoon. Yeah, not Looney Tunes. <laughs> or the <droopy>. episode <laughs> opens with Bart asking for a tattoo for Christmas, which, you know, was obviously shot down. And then Marge takes the family to the mall because this is the birth of the 90s, and this is where it all started, folks, where everybody goes to the mall. 
Simpsons did it. Bart, of course, <laughs> lies about his age and gets a mother tattoo, thinking he will win her over with a special tattoo just for her. <laughs> this, of course, was dead wrong, and Marge is forced to spend all the Christmas money to get it removed. Yeah. That's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I, what did tattoo removal consist of in 89? I don't think they did the laser etching. I think they just took a potato peeler. That's kind of what I was wondering. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking like industrial strength alcohol, acetone or something, and just (laughs) and steel wool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in order to save Christmas, Homer gets a job as a mall Santa. Homer gets fired after Bart pulls off his beard. Homer gets paid thirteen dollars, which Barney convinces Homer to bet on a dog race. (laughs) Good job, Barney. Way to be good. Thus, we can now determine that Springfield must be in Florida because that was the only place that dog racing was legal until last week. <laughs> well, there you go. I didn't even think about that. I, I have no idea. And dog racing may be legal in other parts, too. I just know it's now illegal in Florida. Hmm. That's something I've always wanted to do. I don't know if it's ethical <laughs> or not, but I've always wanted to see a dog race. I mean, it's probably more ethical than dog fighting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's fair. You, missed, you missed your shot, Paul. There was a dog racing track not too far from where I lived in Texas. You waited like six months too long to inform me of this. <laughs> well, seeing the uh, spiritual sign on the wall, Homer bets his everything, all $13, on Santa's little helper to win, Yay! who loses and then gets chased off by his owner for losing. So he's Santa's little loser. Oh. Homer, after some convincing from Bart, adopts Santa's little helper and brings him home for Christmas. And thus, Christmas is saved because we now have a dog that will replace Snowball too, <laughs> And also a dog to make everyone forget that Homer gambled the only money he made for the holidays away. All $13. All $13. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that uh, that is the inaugural session of the Lump of Coal region. Simpsons take the cake over Pete and Pete in a devastating landslide. Yes, I think <laughs> Pete and Pete was actually our dead last um, for getting votes. I don't know if it even got a single vote. I don't think it did. No, I don't think it got one single vote. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So we'll have to check out next time when the Simpsons in their landslide victory go up against George Costanza and his father in their feats of strength with Seinfeld's The Strike. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. What region are we moving on to next, fellas? All right. Next, we're going on to the Christmas Socks region. We got two, oh, yeah. we got two heavyweight bouts here. We got Tales from the Crypt versus Doctor Who, and then we got Batman versus Home Improvement. So we'll go ahead and start off with Tales from the Crypt versus Doctor Who. So Tales from the Crypt... Christmas special was called And All Through the House. The original air date was June 10th, 1989. It received an episode rating of 7.9 out of 10. It didn't really feature any famous people in it uh, other than John Kaser, who played the Crypt Keeper. The Crypt Keeper, yeah. Yep. Outside of that, uh, Mary Ellen Trainer plays the wife, Larry Drake plays Santa, Marshall Bell plays the husband, and then there was more cast in it. Uh, so the synopsis of this episode is on Christmas Eve, a mother controls the anxiety of her little daughter, Carrie Ann, 
for Santa Claus and puts her to bed. Then she comes to the living room and kills her husband, hitting his head with a fireplace poker, expecting to receive his life insurance and stay with her lover. While she is dumping the body on the yard, the dangerous patient of a mental institution dressed like Santa Claus attacks her but succeeds to escape and lock the door. However, she is unable to call the police since the body of her husband is in the front yard. Out of the blue, Carrie calls her mother with an unexpected guest. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so uh, quite the interesting episode. Uh, I remember, I don't really remember this episode very well. Um, I wasn't a huge Tales from the Crypt fan. I did watch random episodes throughout For the 90s. Shame. but. <laughs> yeah, it's I know. I probably sure. would enjoy it more now, but I I was a kid with a very active imagination back in the eighties and nineties. So I don't know if watching Tales from the Crypt would have been a great idea, <laughs> unless I didn't want to sleep again. <laughs> you're more productive, you know. Stay up late. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get some finger painting done while you're up. <laughs> a couple of years ago, they did a New Year's countdown special with the Crypt Keeper. Uh, like an HBO produced like the first new episode in a number of years just for New Year's. And they reused all the original puppets and some of them had decayed over time. And the Crypt Keeper's jaw barely moves anymore. Oh. And it makes it that much more creepy. <laughs> I believe sure it. it does. Oh. <laughs> All right, so that is the first episode in this, The Tales from the Crypt and All Through the House. So this is going up against a juggernaut, in my opinion, maybe just because I you know, picked this one to win. Uh, but this episode is Doctor Who, The Christmas Invasion. This originally aired on September 29th, 2006, which is so weird that it's in September for The Christmas Invasion. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, the episode got an is that when Is that when they celebrated in the UK? It must be, yeah. <laughs> it's like Chinese New Year, <laughs> British Christmas. Or uh, Canadian okay. Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, I only know about Canadian bacon, so uh, I... I know gotcha. that date is wrong, because the Christmas special is always on Christmas Day at 4 p.m. Okay, maybe they... That's what IMDB told me, so maybe there was something weird going on. But yeah, they are I was, IMD wrong. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's the PBS air date. Oh, could be. Could on be. the state side. Okay. So, you have to get uh, so we'll, to we'll go it. with uh, Christmas of 2005 <laughs> as the air date, because uh, that does sound more correct, but that was what IMDb gave me. So anyway, uh, this episode got an 8.2, just like The Simpsons and Pete and Pete. Uh, <laughs> so random. But uh, the cast of this episode, the first full episode to include the 10th Doctor, which <laughs> really was... I thought the- you were going to say full frontal. <laughs> oh, God. First no, full not- frontal nude scene of a Doctor. Not um. at all. <laughs> at all. So the uh, first episode to feature the 10th Doctor, which was David Tennant. It also included the holdover from the first season, Rose Tyler, played by Billy Piper. Then you had her mom, Jackie Tyler, played by Camille Kaduri, and uh, her boyfriend slash friend, Mickey Smith, played by Noel Clark. You so, my boy, Mickey! Mickey! <laughs> so rooted for Mickey. <laughs> so, uh, to, to kind of help uh, understand what's going on in this episode, if you've never seen Doctor Who, uh, gonna condense about 40 years of television history down in just a few seconds, but the Doctor is an alien from a 
uh, different planet, and he's part of a race called the Time Lords, which means that they have this ability to regenerate whenever they are grievously injured or are about to die, as long as they're near the TARDIS, which is the ship that he travels in. It looks like a police box. It is called the TARDIS because it is the time and relative dimension in space, which means that it can not only travel through space, but also through time, which is why he can go like back in time, forwards in time, anywhere in the uh, universe. So into himself periodically. Yes, yes, uh, in, in multiple occasions. So the reason that's important is because at the end of the... Pre- this is the first episode, uh, uh, like, I guess kind of the last episode of season one or the first episode of season two, depending on how you look at it. But in the previous episode, <clears throat> uh, the previous Doctor, played by Paul? Chris Eccleston. Chris Eccleston uh, gets grievously injured and has to regenerate. And so in the previous episode, he regenerates into David Tennant. So we get our first look at him. However, in the Christmas invasion, the newly regenerated doctor travels to present day London and Rose is happy to be home. uh, And her mother is happy to see her, even though she's kind of protesting the fact that Rose has gone off with this alien to different worlds and different times and stuff like that. Um, the doctor though, isn't well, such a mom, such yes, a mom. Right, <laughs> I know. So, so absurd. So the doctor isn't well though, uh, suffering from what he describes as a surplus of energy after his regeneration. Uh, he goes into a coma like state. And during that time, the people of earth are threatened by a group called the Sycorax, uh, an alien race called the Sycorax, who threaten to destroy one-third of the planet's population if they don't surrender. <clears throat> they basically use blood control to get a bunch of people to like, go to the edge of really tall buildings and make it look like they're going to jump off. Uh, so Jackie helps to find a cure for the Doctor, which, in the most British explanation ever, is some tea, of course. She just needed a little bit of tea, and then he was right as rain. And so he ends up coming back, he faces the leader of the Sycorax in one-on-one combat, and wins, and tells them to leave Earth. And then as the Sycorax are leaving, the group Torchwood, which is explained in later episodes of the show Doctor Who, uh, blows up the Sycorax ship, and the ash causes it to snow as the episode ends. This is a tough one for me, because I really like both specials, but me personally, I gotta give it to Doctor Who, because this is the first episode featuring David Tennant. Yeah, I I mean, this one... Besides being, you know, uh, a Christmas special, is the first episode to include probably the most popular Doctor uh, in show history, David Tennant as the 10th Doctor. Which, I mean, everyone I talk to that knows the show immediately goes to David Tennant as the Doctor. Or Tom Baker, depending on your age. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this matchup is going to go to Doctor Who... The Christmas Invasion, so All they right. defeat Tales from the Crypt. So, check for me. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So our next Christmas socks region is Batman versus Home Improvement. The episode that we are going to look at is Batman the Animated Series Christmas Special Christmas with the Joker uh, versus Home Improvement's You'll Better Watch Jingle Out. Bells, Batman Smells. <laughs> so Batman the Animated Series Christmas with the Joker originally aired in November of 1992, November 13th, 1992, it received a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. The cast consisted of Batman uh, and, obviously, Bruce Wayne, played by Kevin Conroy. James Gordon was played by Robert Hastings. Alfred Pennyworth was played by Clive Revel. And, of course, the Joker was played by the imitable Mark Hamill. So I gotta ask, there's Batman shampoo, but why is there no conditioner Gordon? That's what I want. Oh. Uh. <laughs> why does Robin never get a credit, even still? <laughs> he was in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this episode <laughs> actually... Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody cares about Robin. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but the episode actually starts off... With the Joker singing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, but the, the synopsis of the episode is on Christmas Eve, the Joker broadcasts a pirate Christmas special on television. And Batman and Robin have until midnight to fight their way past the Joker's traps hidden all over town and rescue Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Bullock, and Summer Gleason. And will they make it in time? You'll have to tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat place. Same bat. Yeah. <laughs> Did we really just mix the Holy Trinity there? I mean, we got <laughs> Kevin Conroy and Adam West, and we just put them side by side. And I don't know which one I would choose. <laughs> well, the Joker is basically Max Headroom, too. So That's true. <laughs> A little pirate, pirate television. My mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Paul's... Why so serious, Paul? Why so serious? <laughs> <laughs> so while Paul's trying to uh, get his head back in order after getting his mind blown, uh, we'll go on to the Home Improvement Christmas special, You'll Better Watch Out. Uh, so the original Great episode. Air... Great episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the original air date was December 17th, 1991, uh, the episode got a 7.7 out of 10. It included Tim Taylor, uh, played by Tim Allen, Jill Taylor, played by Patricia Richardson, Wilson and Santa Claus, played by Earl Hindman, uh, Mark Taylor was played by Taryn Noah Smith, Randy Taylor by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Brad Taylor, played by Zachary Ty Bryan, and Al Borland, played by Richard Karn. Apparently, if you were one of the Taylor children, you had to go by all three names. Yes, I, I, I noticed that too. <laughs> I never did before this. I... It couldn't just be, you know, Zach Bryan or Jonathan Thomas. Nope, had to be Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Zachary Ty Bryan. So, what happened to any of them? Uh, I know, I know uh, Zachary Ty Bryan was in the... Th third fast and furious tokyo drift i knew you were gonna say that and i want to point out that that was still like a decade ago i know i haven't haven't heard much from any of there have been like 17 sequels to that movie since that came out (laughs) yeah oh true very true so as far as the synopsis uh in this episode on tool time tim gives a yule time tip 
never plug in a frayed wire in Grunt's Jingle Bells. He also demonstrates his great invention, a rotating Christmas tree with the usual results, a.k.a. disaster. <laughs> like ornaments flying everywhere. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> so at home, Tim has decided to beat his neighbor, Doc Johnson, in the neighborhood Christmas decoration competition. The neighborhood proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Is, does that mean he just lives in the neighborhood and he is a proctologist, or he's a proctologist <laughs> for all of his neighbors? I don't know. His name is Johnson, which is a whole nother level of confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get started with that. <laughs> so, of course, just like with anything that Tim Taylor does, the competition soon gets out of control. Jill is upset that Randy did not get the part of Joseph, but rather the innkeeper at the school Christmas pageant decides to make Randy stand out by making him an outstanding costume. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's so funny, too, because he apparently, I don't remember if he had the part of Joseph or like basically had the part of Joseph, but then he started adding a whole bunch of lines and started asking the wise men for ID and stuff like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. And <laughs> so they reduced him to uh, the innkeeper. Or, so, And then I think they eventually lowered him to a sheep. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. He was, yeah. So, they kept uh, reducing his role. So Randy stands out by making his own costume. Uh, and then finally, Mark learns a shocking secret from his brothers. There is no Santa Claus. Or is there a little holiday magic from Wilson, perhaps? So the ending of that episode, it's clearly Wilson that comes over in like a Santa costume. And Tim, like, you know, says goodbye to Santa and closes the front door and tells Jill, like, oh, I tell you, that that uh, that Wilson guy, he, he sure is terrific. And... Jill's like, you mean that Wilson over there? And like points across the backyard. And anyone who's ever seen the show knows that you only see like part of his face sticking up above their fence. And he's sitting over there waving at them. And Mark's standing at the front door looking at the sky. And you hear little jingle bells playing. And it's like, <laughs> oh, did he see the real Santa? He just happens to look and sound a lot like Wilson. I don't know. It was very, very cute. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that we have to point out, because I feel like this is kind of the the uh, highlight of the episode is during the uh, neighborhood light lighting competition, uh, Tim, light, you know, strings up all these lights and stuff like that. Of course, he does the whole, you know, we have to have more power. Uh, and so he, you know, just goes completely overboard on this thing. And then he finally lights it up and they cut to uh, overview of the city and all of the power around all of the houses goes out except for his, <laughs> which is still so bright that it's blinding pilots that are trying to make a descent into Detroit's airport. <laughs> I love when the fire department shows up to rescue him and he greets all of them by name. <laughs> yep yep i think that's also the episode where he tries to call the power company yes he pretends to be doc johnson like, oh yeah my wife and i is going out for dinner can you shut the power off for a couple hours <laughs> and they're like yep you tried that oh hi last hi rick year. oh i tried this last year huh <laughs> you knew it was me huh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Batman versus Home Improvement. Uh, remember that Brian had Home Improvement as his overall winner. So let's find out the results of Batman versus Home Improvement. The winner 
by popular that was, that was a drum roll. <laughs> by popular vote was Batman the Animated Series. So Are Brian, you kidding me? Brian has been eliminated. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Sorry, buddy. That's, right. that's a tough Whatever. blow. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Despite the fact my fictional Detroit-based and accident-prone hero was eliminated, that intermission made me feel so hyped! Hype! Yeah. Hyped! We don't get hype at dating ourselves. (laughs) We stay hype! (laughs) Oh, man! (laughs) Well, we're going to get back to the action, folks. Before the break, we heard Seinfeld overtake Saved by the Bell, The Simpsons overpowered Brothers Pete and Pete, Doctor Who trampled Tales from the Crypt, and my champs, Tim and Al of Home Improvement, get bested by Batman and Robin from Batman the Animated Series, even though Robin got no credit mention. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Have you guys seen the new DC show, Titans? It's on the DC uh, streaming service? Yeah. No, I'm not. It's well worth the $7.99 a month to check out. It is a very uh, R-rated Batman, or I should say DC superhero series, featuring various characters from the Teen Titans universe, starring Robin. And one of my favorite things of this show is they point out that Robin's suit is brightly colored to draw fire away from Batman. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Good so, for him, I guess. Like right? That was the original uh, design. He is so the, basically uh, he's bait. cannon fodder. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they bring that up a couple times throughout the series, and it made my day. Which is why I had to point out that he wasn't even credited in an episode of which I believe he's the one that figures out the final clue. <laughs> yeah, but he's still Robin. <laughs> <laughs> well, now let's take let's see which holiday specials are best in the eggnog and that weird pickle ornament region. You guys ready? <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. All right. So the very first matchup in the eggnog region, we have Rugrats, which we covered not too long ago in episode twenty-nine, versus He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And so, the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> I have the power. By the power of Grayskull. That's right. That's Give right. him off the magic sword. <laughs> Speaking of which, me and Paul saw Castle Grayskull this morning. We did oh, at yeah. the Grand Rapids Toy Show. Yeah. That's so cool. They would That's not so let cool. me touch it. <laughs> you didn't have the power. <laughs> and I only saw one other He-Man figure, and he was riding Cringer, and it was the uh, Adventures of He-Man version, which is where He-Man went to space yep. in the second oh, yeah. series. Yep. Interesting. But it was still too expensive for me to buy. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, 
Um, let's actually start with He-Man. All right, since we're already He-Man. on that on that. So we got He-Man and She-Ra's Christmas special. So they did a, a joint thing, kind of brought the family together. And She-Ra. it aired aired on Christmas Day uh, in 1985. This actually may have been the lowest rating of any of the shows, was 6.8 out of 10. Not great. Still, still you know, above 500, so that's good. But <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, the cast, we had uh, Prince Adam, played by John Irwin, Skeletor, and others. Played by Alan Oppenheimer. You had Tila by Linda Gary. She-Ra by Melody Britt. Well, in this Christmas episode of the He-Man and She-Ra cartoons, their sidekick, Orko, accidentally gets beamed to Earth during a test of a new spy satellite. Orko manages to get back to planet Eternia, but brings along two Earth children, Alicia and Manuel. So, hilarity ensues, right? Um, oh, of course. I love kidnapping children on Christmas. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's like the plot of way too many Christmas specials when you think about it. It's kind of <laughs> creepy when you really when you really sit down and then... Um, but yeah, so it's Christmas. And how many t- children are left alone on Christmas Eve, too? Like, look at, like, <laughs> you know, all the Christmas movies where the kids end up with Santa Claus trying to get home for Christmas. Who the hell left their kids alone on Christmas Eve? Like, the one night, you know they're going to sneak out, even if they're, you know, straight-A honor students. Yeah. They're getting out True. of bed. True. Arnold, Arnold did to go get the Turbo Man, but that's a whole other exactly. story. <laughs> so since it's Christmas time on Earth, the kids are naturally filled with the holiday spirit, but this overflowing goodwill attracts the unwelcome attention of the Horde Prime and Skeletor. What do we think? Are He-Man and She-Ra going to be able to combine their efforts and the spirit of Christmas all mixed together to stop Skeletor and his uh, combative advances? What do you guys think? Nope, Skeletor straight up murders him in this episode. <laughs> oh, like the, wait. No. It's like the episode where Wiley e. Coyote finally catches Roadrunner. <laughs> Doesn't know what to do with him. It's like, I didn't even think to get a cookbook. What am I doing here? <laughs> but yeah, so that's essentially uh, the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. Uh, like I said, it was not rated very well, and for good reason. And I didn't it was, realize... It was tough to uh, watch. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't realize either that it was like actually a standalone thing. Like it wasn't really associated with the series at all. Right, right. Like it wasn't, it's not considered an episode in the continuity of the show. Yeah. Right. Anytime uh, He-Man and She-Ra cross over together, it's usually just its own standalone thing. When they're in their own series, they were marketing their own toys and could not be taken away from each other. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. All right, so that's He-Man and She-Ra doing their holiday thing with some kidnapped kids on Eternia. Now, the Rugrats Hanukkah special is actually, I think, our only Hanukkah episode. And it's one of two non-Christmas episodes, obviously the other one being Festivus, which isn't even a real holiday, but Paul still celebrates it. Shame. Shame. (laughs) It is more real than anything. (laughs) So uh, the Rugrats Hanukkah episode aired December 6, 1996. IMDb gives it a 7.2 out of 10. Tommy Pickles is the main character, played by E.G. Daly. Uh, We also have Thanks, E.G. Yes, thank you, E.G., for uh, love for the show. Um, We love your shows as well. So Christine Cavanaugh played Chucky Finster. Uh, Kath... Sauchi? Is that how you say that? I think so. Sauchi was Phil and Lil DeVille. And then uh, Cheryl Chase was 
Angelica Pickles. So this episode's all about Tommy's um, grandparents on his mom's side. They were of Jewish faith. So Grandpa Boris uh, is in a senior play about the meaning of Hanukkah opposite his rival Shlomo. <laughs> Which is always fun. <laughs> the kids see a picture of Shlomo and decide that he is a meanie of Hanukkah and decide that they need to put him to sleep to help Grandpa Boris. Meanwhile, Angelica is at the synagogue and tries a laki, which she spits out, causing a man dressed as a dreidel to slip and drop donuts. Oh no, not yep. the donuts. Can't have that. Um, and then while, while Boris feuds with Shlomo, Angelica searches for a TV to watch her favorite Christmas special. She runs into Shlomo, and he accidentally knocks the TV over, causing Angelica to cry, which is bad news, upsetting Angelica Pickles, because she is a spoiled brat and always gets her way. Later, after confronting Shlomo, the kids start to cry, and Boris reads them the miracle of Hanukkah. Stu finally gets the menorah on the stage. It burns the curtains, (laughs) revealing Boris, Shlomo, and the kids. Boris and Shlomo sing a song together, and the episode ends. So. Poor Stu finally yeah. gets the menorah there and accidentally burns the curtains off. <laughs> I mean, that happens sometimes. You know, you don't really have a whole <laughs> lot of control over that. So, yeah. yeah. How could he know that putting a candle that close to fabric would start it on fire? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the episode itself, we'd mentioned in our previous Rugrats episode, was very memorable because there was not a lot of Hanukkah specials, especially in animated kids television uh, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, um, a milestone in many ways culturally to kind of have that so prominent on such a very popular TV show. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I don't think it comes as any surprise to anyone that the Rugrats Hanukkah special overtook He-Man and Um, (laughs) She-Ra. You guys know why? Why is that? Because E.G. is the O.G. Oh! (laughs) Right. That's right. So, well, awesome. So the last matchup in the eggnog region is going to be Elf's Special Christmas. Um, up against the Wonder Years Christmas (laughs) special. So a little dyslexia right there. So Elf's Christmas special is actually Paul's selection uh, for the overall winner. Very much so. It aired December 14th, 1987. Got 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. I don't know why. (laughs) I love this episode, but I am absolutely shocked at that number. <laughs> <laughs> so we have both, <clears throat> excuse me, both Gordon and Elf, played by Paul Fusco. Uh, we have Willie Tanner, played by Max Wright. Kate Tanner, played by uh, Anne Sheedon. Uh, Lynn Tanner, played by Andrea Elson. Brian Tanner, played by Benji Gregory. And a few other people. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the Tanners decide to spend Christmas in a cabin in the woods. And they meet Mr. Fowley, a man that fixes broken toys during the year and gives them to kids um, over Christmas, like at, at hospitals and stuff like that. Um, so Elf accidentally gets caught in Mr. Fowley's truck as he drives off. That brings Elf to the hospital where he gets to meet young Tiffany, who is a very sweet but very sick girl. And this is kind of what we were alluding to earlier. This is a little bit of a, uh, a sniffle fest. Because she is like very, very sick. Uh, she has, she have cancer. 
Yes. And yeah. is like terminal, and it's. Ex- they say multiple times this is going to be her last Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And and not in the George Michael's wham last Christmas kind of way either. No. 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 And there's there's a uh, part where Alf is getting ready to uh, leave the room after his conversation with her, and uh, she goes, "Alf, I love you." And then he turns around and kind of in this defeated tone you know knowing that she's gonna die says i love you back and uh, i i think i got some dust in my eye at that point <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh that, Ch- that choking like, on a bit of uh candy cane there that, you know that was that was an emotional hit to the gonads right there <laughs> something we kind of breezed over so mr fowley believes alf to be one of the toys alf eludes capture or being found out initially by pretending to be a toy and he gets mixed in with the holiday toys mm-hmm. right right yep. yeah so that's why he was in the truck gotcha gotcha um yeah, yeah so he also meets a, a young lady in labor and uh, mm-hmm. tries to help the mother to be bringing the child into the world um there's a whole lot of very emotional stuff that's going on throughout this whole episode that- um, that part at least has a little bit of comedy, though, as the mother that's in labor, or the mother-to-be uh, is in labor, and she sees Alf, who's wearing, uh, like, nurse scrubs, like the green nurse scrubs, and is uh, masked up, but she can tell that he's not a human being, obviously, right, and starts right. screaming in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be stuck in an elevator with Alf. It <laughs> seems like that would be a good way to go out. <laughs> well, that and he learns about Mr. Folly giving away all of his belongings because his wife recently passed. So that's another big sad moment. Yeah, I don't know, Paul, this was kind of your favorite. So do you have any particular reason as to why you picked this over the other 15? Because this was like... This was hard to watch, but not hard for the same reason that He-Man was hard to watch. Like, it was hard to watch without, like, <laughs> slobbering all over. So, growing up, I watched ALF on repeat through all of my, like, you know, between, like, two and eight. We watched it nonstop all the time, recorded every episode. And every year, even to this day, we always watch this episode at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, you know, because of how sad it is, but it always has a special place in my heart. And I do mm-hmm. think that the episode, it touches on the reality that Christmas is not jolly for everyone. Mm-hmm. And this episode has its ups and downs. Like Alf does his best to spread cheer where he can and give everyone a wonderful Christmas, even well, if he knows it's going to be their last. Yeah, he cheers up Tiffany, the girl that's uh, terminally ill. He also manages to stop uh, Mr. Folly, uh, who was, I didn't realize this until just recently, was played by... Uh, it was Cleavon Little, the guy who played Sheriff Bart in uh, oh, yep. Yep. Blazing Saddles, which is one of my all-time favorite comedies. But this is obviously a little bit older Cleavon Little, um, and he uh, is discovered by Alf to be standing at a bridge contemplating suicide, you know, co- contemplating jumping off, and Alf manages to convince him that he's that he's done a lot of good, that he has a lot to be proud of, and that, you know, he should live and stuff like that, so... Yeah, he he does spread a lot of cheer in this episode. Agreed. Very much so. 
And then after all of his adventures and misadventures, he is reunited with the Tanners in time for Christmas in the woods. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. And no relation to the Tanners on Full House either, which is also no. strange, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is, though. Maybe they're in the same universe. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? That would be weird. That would um, be. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got Elf up against the Wonder Years. Um, so the Wonder Years Christmas special aired December 14th, 1988 got an 8.5 out of 10 on imdb most famously kevin arnold played by fred savage we got jack arnold played by dan loria norma arnold played by ali mills uh, wayne arnold played by jason hervey karen arnold played by olivia diabo and then the absolutely fantastic girl next door winnie cooper played by danica mckeller um yeah yeah and she was, she has a couple episodes in uh, West Wing, and I remember seeing those for the first time. I was like, dude, that's Winnie Cooper, <laughs> <laughs> bangs and all. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So Kevin and Wayne try to convince Jack to buy a color TV set for Christmas. Meanwhile, Kevin tries to find the perfect present for Winnie Aww. after Aww. she unexpectedly gives him a present. Isn't that the worst? That is the yeah. worst. <laughs> when, you know, you don't even think about it, and then all of a sudden someone gives you a present, and you're like, one second, I have to run to the bathroom. And then 45 minutes later, you show up <laughs> with something you wrapped in the car. <laughs> There's a, an old episode of Cheers that reminds me of that, where um, it's back when uh, Shelley Long was still on the show, so like the first couple seasons. She and Sam decide that they're going to find someone for each of them to date, and Sam interprets that, or, you know, the ideal date. And Sam's like, oh, well, the, maybe she thinks the ideal date for me would be her. Oh, this is going to be so wonderful. So we're going to, like, go out on a date together. And then she shows up the next day with, like, one of her girlfriends. And she's like, well, where's my date? Oh, you know, he's just in the back real quick. He just grabs the first guy he finds who apparently just got out of jail for manslaughter. <laughs> Such a super awkward date that must have been. <laughs> Did she give him a fake number on a subway card? <laughs> no, no. She couldn't get out of it because she didn't realize until it was, well, not too late, but, you know, a little too late. So, But anyway, between these two episodes, we left this up to the fans, just like all the other rounds. And unfortunately, Paul, The Wonder Years has... Uh, left Alf in the dust. Wait, wait, hold on. Does that mean I'm the only one with a dog still in the show? Yes, yes, Woo-hoo! it does. <laughs> yeah! Yep. If all our listeners want to give it to an episode about material goods rather than a girl dying of cancer and the true meaning of Christmas, <laughs> then y'all can just bite me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you, Morton. I don't know what you voted for, but I'm looking at you. <laughs> I would say the real meaning of Christmas is to have a better Christmas light display than your retired proctologist neighbor. That's the real meaning of Christmas. So people do not appreciate this, apparently. Obviously not, since both of y'all are losers. <laughs> the real meaning of Christmas is saving Earth from alien scum. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that brings us on to that weird pickle ornament region. We have two matchups here, South Park versus the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the Jetsons versus Pinky and the Brain. So let's go ahead and kick it off with South Park versus Pinky and the Brain. 
South Park's Christmas special is titled Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. He loves uh, me and I love you. <laughs> absolutely. So the original air date of this was December 17th, 1997. The episode received an 8.2 rating out of 10 on the IMDb rating, which means that it has the same rating as The Simpsons, Doctor Who, Pete and Pete, and something else. So I feel like there's another one on there. <laughs> uh, so the cast consists of Matt Stone and Trey Parker doing a majority of the voice work here, including Kyle and Timmy and uh, Kenny and Cartman and all them. Then you have Chef, as played by Isaac Hayes, and Mary Kate, uh, Kate Bergman, who plays Wendy Testaberger. Uh, so the episode is a holiday special where the holiday season is approaching in South Park, and Kyle finds himself in a bind. On the one hand, he feels left out as the only Jewish person uh, in the town while everyone is celebrating Christmas. On the other hand, none of the other kids believe him when he tells them about Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. Uh, when the real Mr. Hanky shows up, only Kyle sees him and ends up getting locked up in a mental hospital. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of the town is in an uproar with everyone finding something in the school holiday pageant to be offended by. I'm, I'm trying to remember. They said that he was a clinically depressed fecal filiac on Prozac, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is brilliant. I can't believe you remembered that. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Now, I wanted to point out before we get into any of the points on the plot is that this also aired on December 17th. It did. So this is another one that falls on our just anniversary. Just, just pointing it out. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> now, the Mr. <laughs> Hanky song is pretty iconic. It's a very, very cheesy, holiday kind of like Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kind of song. Um, but the lyrics are interesting, to say the least. Um, <laughs> I think one of the... There's, there's verses to the song, too. Because I remember one of the verses is sometimes he's nutty, sometimes he's corny. He can be brown or greenish brown, but if you eat a lot of fiber on Christmas Eve, he just might come to your town. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and he's always got that catchphrase. Howdy ho! (laughs) Yep. One of the things about Mr. Hankey is he kind of is like Michigan J. Frog, where every time that Kyle goes to show people Mr. Hankey, it's just a turd. Like yep. <laughs> in a box, in a box, <laughs> and everyone thinks he's disgusting and obviously deranged, which is why he ends up, um, you know, getting locked away for mental. One treatment. of the things that I remember about this episode that bothers me to this day is in the middle of the episode, it cuts to a real life uh, or a live action infomercial for a Mr. Hanky the Christmas Poo kit. <laughs> which involves a net where you uh, fish your own floater out of the toilet and then shape it kind of like they do in Ghost on a, uh, what do you call it, thing that spins clay? Oh, and then it, um, the, oh, I know what you're talking about. I like can't, a pottery wheel? or Pottery yes. wheel, yeah. 
and uh, you make your own Mr. Hanky, and then after you shape your poo appropriately, then you put a little hat and face on it. And then at the end of the infomercial, they go, like, the mom takes the kids away from the table, and they come back, and Mr. Hanky's gone. And then they all look at the baby, and it's got chocolate all over oh. its face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. That is that is stuck with me over the years. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty gross. <laughs> and then everyone's just like laughing. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. so In a very cute. Matt Stone, Trey Parker sort of way. Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that gives us uh, South Park episode Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh going up against Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's Deck of the Halls. The original air date on this episode was December 10th, 1990. The cast included Will Smith playing himself, uh, Uncle Phil, played by James Avery. Was- James Avery was also Shredder. Yes, and they did have a Turtles-themed <laughs> Christmas episode. <laughs> uh, so Uncle Phil, uh, Carlton Banks, played by Alfonso Ribeiro, and Vivian Banks, played by Jane Hubert, or Hubert, or however you say it. So the episode focuses on Will realizing that Ashley has never experienced a real Christmas before and goes out of his way to let her have one. He decorates the inside of the mansion and also the outside fully, upsetting some of the local neighbors. That was a great episode, though. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. But I, it was. That's mm-hmm. still one of those shows that I can binge watch like on repeat. It never gets mm-hmm. old. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I, I always loved the show, but this episode to me was just very much a normal Christmas special, just like every other sitcom at the time kind of had, you know? Yeah. I didn't think... Yep. Not that not that a singing turd is particularly spectacular, <laughs> but... <laughs> at least it set itself apart a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I do have to say, though, I, I do miss the trope of DJ Jazzy Jeff being thrown out of yes. the mansion. <laughs> and and the, the best part about that, too, was no matter what he was wearing when he was inside of the house... It was always the exact same outfit when he was being thrown out. On <laughs> <laughs> <I> repeat. Yep. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at uh, the viewers. And it looks like after a pretty contentious battle, it looks like South Park gets the victory. So South Park's going to be moving All on right. to the el- elated Elite there Eight. There you go. The second episode out of the Weird Pickle Ornament region is Jetson's Christmas Special versus Pinky and the Brain's Christmas Special. Uh, So let's go to the information here. Jetson's. The episode was entitled Jetson's Christmas Carol. It aired on December 13th, 1985. Got an episode rating of 6.7, which I believe makes it the lowest rated episode. Thus far. out uh, Out of them, yes. So that... Had George Jetson, played by George O'Hanlon, Jane Jetson, played by Penny Singleton, Elroy, played by Dawes Butler, Astro, played by Don Mezick, Judy Jetson, played by Janet Waldo, and Rosie the Robot, played by Gene Vanderpile. So the episode revolves around what do Santa Claus and George Jetson have in common? They both have to work on Christmas Eve. That means uh, that mean old Mr. Spacely forces George to work late while the family wonders what happened to him, while Astro opens up one of his presents early, breaks it, and accidentally swallows a piece of it. A Spacely sprocket. Ooh, that's a, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. 
So it seems the Jetsons may lose their tiny Tim-like dog. Plus, Mr. Spacely is visited by his old partner, Jacob Marsley, who tells him of three spirits that will visit him. And they do. First, the past ghost, Robot, who shows him a young Spacely picking on young George. Present, which is a Christmas present, uh, shows him a dying Astro. And the future shows the Jetsons very rich after suing Mr. Spacely. (laughs) When Mr. Spacely wakes up after seeing all this, he's a changed man. A sadder, wiser, and nicer, happier Cosmo Spacely. So it's a little bit of a takeoff, of, obviously, of A Christmas Carol. Yep, Dickens, yep. But, yep, but with their own spin on it, which is that he only decides to do the right thing after he realizes that he's going to lose his shirt to the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> so not quite as hard. You said new spin. I was going to say, you mean Flintstones in space? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, all right. Oh, so be- before com- we move on, I want to oh, point yeah. out that I was correct at the beginning of the episode and then was incorrect in the middle of the episode. I'm going to finally correct myself back to my original statement that the Jetsons was, in fact, the lowest rated show that we had at 6.7. Way to go, Jetsons. Way to set the bar low. <laughs> 6.7 out of 10 was the lowest. So He-Man and She-Ra, y- y- you don't move up to the next round, but you at least don't get to be you know the lowest rated on IMDb out of our 16. So yeah, yet it's still got a vote, which is more than Pete and Pete. Got. <laughs> and that that's like uh, in the eights too. It was like eight point four or eight point two or something like that. It's crazy. Eight point two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the competition for the Jetsons Christmas Carol is. Pinky and the Brains of Pinky and Brain Christmas, which originally aired on December 13th, 1995, with an episode rating of 8.5 out of 10. The cast consisted of Maurice LaMarche as the Brain, Rob Paulson as Pinky, and many other voices. So the synopsis of this one is the Brain designs a mesmerizing doll called the Noodle Noggin, and plans to have Santa deliver one to every house so he can make people do his every command through mind control. So just like, you know, the brain, obviously, always wants to take over the world and finds a way to use Christmas to do that. Right, right. Hey, Pinky, are you pondering (laughs) what I'm pondering? (laughs) What's that, brain? Uh, So... (laughs) Um, this one I kind of remember a little bit about. It's a it's a good episode. Um, pretty typical. Yeah, you know, basically it's just the same thing as every other episode, just with a little Christmas uh, veneer thrown onto the top of it. The same thing we do every night. <laughs> Try to take, take over, over the, the world. world. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have the Jetsons Christmas Carol versus a Pinky and the Brain Christmas. The listeners have voiced their opinions, and Pinky and the Brain takes out the Jetsons Christmas Carol, which means that we will now have Pinky and the Brain versus South Park in the Weird Pickle Ornament region finale. All right. Well, that's too darn exciting right there. You got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. Come join us on December 20th when Seinfeld takes on The Simpsons. Doctor Who goes head-to-head with Batman the Animated Series. Rugrats feud with The Wonder Years and South Park and Pinky and the Brain roast some chestnuts over an open fire. 
As always, if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your own submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. In addition to iTunes, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback action. We post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Dating Ourselves Podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at Dating Ourselves Podcast. And we do the Twitter thing too, at Dated Podcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. Bye, guys. See you guys. Happy holidays. <laughs>